Hello friends, thank you so much for tuning into The Pursuit. On today's episode, we have one of my good friends, Mayim Brahampour, who's going into her final year at UCLA. In this episode, we're talking about Maya's experience getting involved at school, differentiating herself from a talented group of individuals, and making the most of her college experience. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and we hope you enjoy the episode. My name's Adam Melamed, and welcome to The Pursuit. Whether you're outside getting some fresh air or hanging out with friends, get ready to be happier. Today we have Maya on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. How's your day been so far? It's been good. You know, I woke up <laughs> about an hour ago and just drinking my coffee, ready to have a good day. How are you? I'm doing well. I love love the morning routine. You know, start <laughs> off with a nice cup of joe and go from there. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Would you like to give a little bit of background about yourself? Sure. My name is Maya. I am a rising senior at UCLA. I am from the Bay Area, so that's how we know each other, obviously, as we went to high school together at Sequoia. So yeah, now I go to UCLA. I just turned 21. I'm double majoring in communication and international development studies. I love to play soccer. I love to travel, go camping, backpacking. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Well, we really appreciate having you on the show today. So like Maya said, we went to Sequoia High School together in Redwood City and kind of gone down different paths. But I wanted to bring Maya on the show to talk about a little bit what she's been involved with at UCLA, as well as kind of her goals and ambitions after she graduates. So would you like to tell us a little bit of what you are part of at UCLA and doing your free time there? Yeah, totally. I'm involved in a few different things. So first off, I am a campus tour guide at UCLA, which I've been involved in since my freshman year, and I love it. So I get to give tours and you know work on my public speaking and all of that. I'm also a member of the Student Alumni Association, which is a group of 100 students at UCLA, all undergrads. And we, we're not supposed to compare it to this, but it's very similar to ASB or a leadership class in high school. We put on different spirit events, Spring Sing or the Beat SC Bonfire. And then we also put on professional sort of networking events. For example, I was the director of Entertainment Networking Night two years ago, which is a night where we bring a bunch of alumni to UCLA who work in entertainment to network with students. So we have a lot of events that, and I actually am the director of one of the committees this upcoming year for external relations. So I'm very excited. A few other things I've done at UCLA, I interned for TEDx UCLA this past year. So I was on the student team to create that conference and bring it to UCLA. Of course, it didn't happen because of COVID. It was supposed to happen at the end of May, but that's okay. We always have next year. And then last but not least, I also was on the music committee of Coast Along Music Festival. So this is a student-run, 100% bike-powered music festival that UCLA puts on every year. It's awesome. It's very focused on sustainability and environmental awareness. And I was working on getting the headliners to come, but also that got canceled because of COVID. But it's okay, because you know what? Life goes on. 
but yeah, that's a little bit of what I'm involved in. Yeah. Well, it sucks that those events got canceled, but I'm sure I'm sure you put a lot of hard work into them. So hopefully next year all goes well. Yeah, exactly. UCLA as a school is very club heavy. So I would say the culture of UCLA is that everyone wants to be involved in clubs and organizations. We have over 1,200 clubs at this school, wow. which is insane. At Sequoia, we probably had 20 clubs max. But yeah, so I would say the culture here is very much like people love to be involved in different things, whether that's Greek life, which is 13% of UCLA students, or just so many other things. So yeah, tours is a family. It literally has become a family. I just became one of the lead tour guides, which is exciting. So now I'm Congrats. Thank you. I'm helping train and we transitioned into virtual tours, actually. We've been doing that for about two months and it's been pretty successful. We have a webinar and people come on Zoom and we give a tour, but we're in our homes, which is kind of weird. But yeah, that's one of my favorite things at UCLA for sure. That is so cool. And I think what I'm curious to hear a little bit more about is from going, I know this is three, almost four years ago now, going from high school into college and kind of knowing that UCLA was such a prestigious university with so many well-spoken students that have come from many different backgrounds and very successful throughout their time in high school. What was kind of your approach entering into your first year of school as far as making friends, getting involved? Could you speak a little bit more on that? Totally. Yeah. I would say I mean, I was so excited. UCLA was my dream school. And to get to to have gotten accepted, I literally could not have been more happy. And so when I was coming into my freshman year, I was just so energized and just ready to meet everyone and do everything and join every club. And so I would say the making friends part came pretty naturally because I lived in a dorm with all of other freshmen. And it was like social dorm where like everyone you know, wants to make friends and all of that. So I, I made good friends with people on my floor and it just became a community. And then in terms of joining clubs, I probably got rejected from at least 10 clubs my freshman year. I applied to so many things and at UCLA, we have so many clubs, but there are some that are very hard to get into. You have to apply. It's not it's not just, oh, I want to be in this, so I'm going to join. Some of them you mm-hmm. apply and go through rounds of interviews. And it's so intense. I applied to a lot of things. Didn't get all of them. Of course, I got a lot of rejections. But the things that I did join, tours and then SAA later on, those are the communities that have really become my family and my home here. And I think while it is tough being at a school where everyone is so smart and motivated and ambitious because it's it's basically a school where it's like top students from high school you know what I mean so it's a different pool of students because everyone did really well in high school was in a bunch of different things was president of their class not everyone but a lot of people so going from high school to this is definitely a transition because Sequoia like IB classes were definitely hard don't get me wrong but I have to I've had to try academically at UCLA much more than I tried in high school, just because the caliber is obviously harder. But yeah, I, I love being here. Freshman year, I did, I, I just did everything that I could and had so much fun. And it's only gone, it's only gotten better. So yeah. How about you? How was your transition? <laughs> yeah, so for me, you know, going from, so for those that are not familiar, Sequoia High School, it's in Redwood City in the peninsula of the Bay Area. So we're kind of we're about 20 minutes north of Stanford, outside of Silicon Valley. So a very, I would say, prestigious area in 
in in regards to academics and working hard in school. So for me, transitioning from high school to college was definitely a bit of an adjustment. Going to school where I didn't know many people, I think for me, just putting myself out there and trying as many new things as possible. I joined the the business fraternity about two weeks after starting school. So that was quite an adjustment getting acclimated to that. But in addition, just going and talking to people on your floor and your dorm, regardless if you live in an apartment, if you live in a, a two or three person room, just going and talking to people that you've never met before, because everyone is in the same boat, same position. You don't know anyone. You're just looking to make friends. I'm sure Maya can attest to that. Yeah. Another question I had in regards to, you know, going through your first year of school and whatnot, what, what really differentiated you from other students? In regards to differentiation, what were you doing in particular to make yourself stand out in a pool of so many highly educated, top-notch students? Oh, totally. That's a great question. So something I've learned at UCLA is that a lot of time times it's not necessarily what you do, it's more who you know. And so I kind of realized, you know, getting rejected from so many things my freshman year. With tours, I actually, I don't know if you know Alexis Carlson, but Mm -hmm. she went to Woodside High School, which is the high school near Sequoia. And we actually worked together in high school at Vitality Bowls, which is an acai bowl place. And so (laughs) she's a year older than us. So she had gotten accepted to UCLA a year before I had. And we had always been good friends at work. And so when I got into UCLA, I immediately like messaged her and we met up and got lunch. And she told me all about tours. And she was, oh, I'm a campus tour guide. I love it so much. You have to apply. Da, 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 da. And she kind of just gave me the rundown on everything at UCLA before I even got there, which was really nice. And so I think when it came to tours, I did not know a single person in that except for her, because obviously I was a freshman. I'd been here for what, two weeks. And so I really attribute a lot of that. Obviously, you know, I prepared for the interviews and went through all the rounds and did all that. But I would say that she definitely helped me. So I I would say your network is really important. And so when it came time for sophomore year, when I was applying to SAA, which is also really competitive, I realized that I needed to go out and talk to people. And so we have this activities fair where all clubs go at the beginning of the year and advertise and set up booths and talk to students. So I went and I, I literally made it my mission to go to SAA's booth. And so I went, I... And there was there was a few people there that were directors at the time. So they were like juniors and seniors. And I was a sophomore. And I went up to this one guy and I was like, hi, like, whatever. I'm really interested in applying. Da, da, da. Introduced myself and shook his hand and all of that. And then I left. And then later on, I realized that, that had really helped me just because he ended up being my director for that year. And he just from that one interaction was like, oh, like, you know, she came out like, I made a good impression. I took the time to go say hi. And I feel like that, just little things like that are really important when it comes to being at a big school or at a school where there's so many qualified people for everything. So I really think just networking is so, so important and putting yourself out there. Yeah. And and another quick question. I'm sure you've been asked this on tours in the past, but for those that are not quite as ambitious or extroverted per se, how would you say or what advice would you give in regards to networking and to get more involved with those clubs, organizations that they're so interested or passionate about? I think that's such a good question because it is very it can be very intimidating to go and like talk to someone you don't know or to cold call someone or cold email someone. 
And I would say I'm generally an outgoing person. I'm, I feel like you are too. So it's, it's easier to, to do that. But I would say you just kind of have to put yourself out there. And I know that it, it can be really hard because it's been really hard for me. But I would say just take small steps to achieve things. And also like practice. So there's a lot of networking nights or different events put on, career fairs, all of that. Just try and step out of your comfort zone and go to those things, even though it can be awkward or intimidating or weird. And I think that it really just takes time. And with time, as you go to more events that, or the more like times you cold call people or go to your professor's office hours, it just gets easier with time. And even as someone who is extroverted, going to office hours, like that intimidated me so much. And so I only started going junior year and then I realized, oh, this is not, it's not that bad. It's really fun. So I would say just, you got to just rip the bandaid off and just sometimes do things and realize that you will grow from it and learn. And also a lot of times it's not bad. Networking is literally just, you're talking to, to like alumni or professors or whoever, like you're just talking to someone and it's, it doesn't have to be this weird, like formal, like scary thing. It can just be a conversation. Yeah. It's so well said. Cause at least for me, coming into college and hearing that term networking, it's like, do I have to wear a suit and tie and, you know, come up with an elevator pitch or there's so many, the, the interpretation of it initially is so intimidating. But I think, mm -hmm. like you said, just the more you go out and just meet people, talk to people is going to help you understand, well, networking is really just talking with another person. We're all human at the end of the day. And if you could have a conversation with someone else, you could just crack a joke or ask them how their day is. That is such a good way to start a conversation and going from there. Well, it's just, you know, human nature, just talking. Yeah. Yeah. And something I wanted to add as well, they're back to high school in this woodman's class was fake it till you make it. If you don't feel comfortable doing something, just fake a persona. Do, it, do what you need to do to get to where you need to be. And over time, you'll start to grow into that individual that you want to be. Yeah, snaps. That's good advice, though. And I, one more thing to add is I feel like there's also a lack of information or knowledge about these things. I feel like networking is, a is something that's also not super accessible to everyone and to be in a, to be in those spaces where you can network and, and you can talk to alumni and, do, and whatever it's really not something that everyone has access to or that everyone feels comfortable doing i learned this recently but so saa the group that i'm in they they did this new event this year called first gen networking night so it was for first generation college students and it was a huge success they had a lot of students come out they had a panel with first generation students from UCLA who graduated, so alumni now, who kind of just like, you know, talk to the students and, and all of that. And, and something that I thought was really interesting was that the, the director of that event, her name is Mari Pau. So she herself is a first generation student and first generation students might not exactly know what networking even is or coming into that space, they might not feel comfortable. Maybe they don't have a resume or they've never been in that sort of space before maybe they don't know what business casual is and these are all things that like i also didn't really know coming i didn't know what business casual really was coming into ucla or a lot of those things but i think it's important to recognize that it is a privilege to have access to networking to know what that is and to kind of be in that space and one thing i thought was really interesting was with that event they specifically had the first half of the event be a panel so it was for first gen alumni talking about what networking even is and setting that foundation of, so that students 
first generation students who maybe had never been to a networking night before would feel comfortable then in the second portion going up to alumni and talking to them. So I thought that was a really smart design of that event was to, it wasn't just throwing everyone into immediately into a room of, and being like, okay, go network. They set that first hour or half an hour or whatever to set the foundation, explain everything, and then do that. So I felt like there's a lot of ways to make networking more accessible for students who maybe historically have not had access to it. Yeah, just something interesting to add. Yeah, I think that's a really cool resource that you guys have uh, at UCLA. And something that, I know we've spoken about it, but something I'm really trying to do is really branch that divide between the professional lifestyle, professional world and school as a student. Because like you said, there's so many people that go into college that are just not familiar with these certain terms or these skills that they need to develop. And through speaking with you and other individuals, being able to provide your experience and insight is such crucial and helpful information for people that are unaware or not exposed to these things. So thank you for yeah. being on the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. No, I really respect that because there is totally an information gap between people, between just the fact that we go to two really you know, good schools, Cal Poly and UCLA, that in itself gives us access to so many things that like student, that other people might not you know, gain access to if they don't go to college or if they go to a you know, community college or something like that. So just always mm -hmm. something to keep in mind. So I know you got the opportunity to study abroad in Buenos Aires and in Brazil, correct? Chile. <laughs> Chile, Chile. Yeah. <laughs> would you get, would you like to tell us about what that experience was like and what you gained from it? Yeah, of course. My favorite topic to talk about. So I spent fall of 2019 in South America. So I spent six weeks in Argentina, Buenos Aires, and then six weeks in Chile in the capital of Santiago. So I loved it. I was on a program, a UC specific program. So basically it was about human rights. It was called Human Rights Cultural Memory. And basically it was 40 students total in our program from all of the different UCs. I think we have three or four from UCLA. And we were just learning about the different histories of both countries. I had no idea going into the program about Argentina and Chile's really complex histories with like, they both had dictatorships in the 1970s, 80s that were really horrible, obviously. And there was, you know, thousands of people went missing and were tortured and disappeared and killed and all of that. And so learning about that was fascinating while also being there. So the cool thing about the program was that we were there. So it was very like hands-on or like field work based almost. So we would go on different field trips to a memory museum or a site, one of the sites where people were tortured and learn about it. Wow. And yeah, it was really heavy stuff and very obviously sad and, and dark. But I think being there made it so much more interesting because we could literally see what we were learning about in textbooks. And so I loved my experience there. I, I got to visit six different countries in South America. After the program ended, my my family came, and so we went to Peru, Colombia. Yeah, it was an amazing time. But I think in terms of how it's influenced my interests now, so I am an international development studies major, and so that's why I went to that program, because it fulfilled some of my major requirements. But I actually, I think it gave me a lot of insight into the fact that I am very passionate about international affairs, and I love traveling. I love working abroad living abroad like I, I i think it just opened my eyes up to the fact that it is a real possibility for me to 
maybe work for a nonprofit abroad, maybe work in diplomacy or do something like that or, or something grassroots related advocacy. I don't know. There's so many options, but I think it really helped me realize that I am passionate about international development and that whatever my future career holds, I want it to be something where there's a lot of traveling involved, a lot of going to new countries. And then also on just like a, a school note, I'm actually because of that program. Now I'm thinking about writing a honors thesis for a senior year. So that's a 50 page thesis that you write kind of on any topic you want. And so I'm thinking of writing one on global social movements and focusing on Chile. Because while I was in Chile, I don't know if you know this, but there was crazy protests happening for months. There was a curfew. We were in a state of emergency while I was there. So I, was, I would attend the protests and see everything. And so that has really also sparked my interest as well. So just unexpected things can come from, you know, studying abroad or doing whatever, but I've, I've loved every minute of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, studying abroad, I, I've, I've gone, I went on a trip to or a semester in Italy and I could not be more of an advocate. You know, it's, it's life-changing. And I it think one thing, one thing I wanted to ask you, you said that you, you really just loved living abroad and you would work abroad. What were specific things that you loved when you were there? Things that you did on a regular basis or that was very memorable to that experience? Yeah, I, so I grew up traveling. My parents placed a big emphasis on getting to travel to different places growing up. So we went to Europe and had this big Europe trip once. Um, we went to Iran because both my parents are from there. And so growing up, getting to travel, I think I just took it for granted. I know I definitely took it for granted because I was, I would not really appreciate it when I was a young 10 year old on this amazing Europe trip. And the whole time I'm just like, I want to go home and like, eat French fries. That was literally, I was such a brat. But I think that experience, like growing up doing all these things and then realizing that's not something that everyone does. One of my best friends from high school, Liza, she has literally had, hadn't been out of the country before she's only been once when she went to Central America. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even realize how lucky I am to be going off to these cool places with my like family. And so I think that has totally influenced who I am today. And I love adventure and, and just going and seeing new things and being exposed to different cultures and different food. And, and I've really grown to love it, which is funny because I used to not get it at all. And so when I was abroad, I just, I don't know. I, I, I just love it. I just love getting to see new things, I think, and to see places that I've you know, only seen photos of and to meet new people. I, I really love, I'm a very much a people person. And so luckily I was able to improve my Spanish to the point where I could hold a conversation with random people I would meet on the street. And granted, not very complex or like sentences, but I could, I could communicate. And I think that was really cool for me was just to meet people and hear about their experiences and get their recommendations on where to go next and all of this. So I, I totally would love to make, to have a career that is centered around travel. I don't know exactly what yet, but definitely mm -hmm. something I want to do. Yeah, I think that's that's a really, that'd be awesome. I, I yeah. would love to do that as well, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens in the future. You could. Also, where did you go in Italy when you were studying abroad? Yeah, so I studied in Torino, which is an hour west of Milan in northern Italy. And it is a, it was a very industrial town back in the seventies and eighties is where Fiat was like, Fiat oh. was headquartered there. So yeah, I mean, incredible experience. 
I'm seeing new things. I I think my if I had to describe studying abroad in one word is just or two words is ultimate freedom. Just having the freedom to go and do whatever you want, whenever you want, and seeing and listening and talking with people, just hearing about different people's experiences. Because being in the United States, we're very fortunate and privileged to have the opportunity to, you know, we have the freedom, we have the First Amendment, and we can speak and say whatever we want. But you go to other parts of the world, and that might not necessarily be a factor. You might not be able to say whatever you want. So being able to hear others' perspectives and seeing their views on what their government is and society is like is just it's it's priceless and i think everyone should take the chance to st- to go not even study but just travel to other places outside the united states because there's so many different cultures so many different aspects of life that are different totally yeah i know i like what you said it's priceless and someone i heard this someone said this once i forget who but they said Something along the lines of like traveling is the only time that you spend money and it makes you richer because you just you learn a lot and and you grow and and get to see the world. When did you go to Italy? I was there fall 2019 before COVID hit. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty intense, but great, great experience. And it's unfortunate for a lot of students that are planning on going this coming fall or this coming, just this coming year in general, but hopefully they'll get the opportunity to go and travel and experience different cultures and societies in the future. Totally. Yeah. I feel for them. Yeah. I'm curious. I haven't been to South America before, but what would you say was one of the biggest differences in culture shocks that you experienced? Oh, that's a good question. And I definitely did get culture shock. So I think the main thing is that it's not Europe in the sense that when I went to Europe, Everyone spoke English. (laughs) And I think I might have just gone to the touristy places, but also people did speak English. The signs would be in English. At the museums, there would be an English translation, things that. In South America, it's not necessarily that. You really do need to speak Spanish to be there. Or, I mean, you don't need to, but it really helps. Also, a big thing for me was, and this is something I was guilty of too in the past, when people think, when people hear the word South America, they think not developed, poor, the jungle, all of these things that it's, yeah, those are things that you, that you might associate with it just because of, you know, what you've heard and the media and everything. Going there, completely different. I mean, I was in two major cities and they were very developed. They looked like New York City or San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, just being there is, was really interesting because I feel like a lot of people think like oh it's why are you going to south america what is what's there isn't it just i don't know the jungle but they're very developed and i think that's a misconception that people have also i lived with a homestay so that was interesting because i wasn't a lot of people have like that typical study abroad experience where they're in an apartment with the other abroad students living their best lives i was with a homestay in both countries and they were both older women so my first one was she was kind of like a grandma and she was yeah she was fun. But I think that was different in that I was in a home. So it was, at first I was kind of like, ah, oh, like it would be cool to have more freedom and like be in an apartment and, you know, but I realized that it was actually really cool to be in a homestay just because I had to practice my Spanish because she on- they only spoke Spanish. And it was like more, I don't know, I felt I was getting a more authentic experience, whatever that means. But yeah, I, I loved it. I think a, a culture shock was definitely the Spanish thing and also just like the l- different lifestyles. Young people in, this is the same in like Spain, but 
they they hit the clubs at midnight and then come back at 6 a.m. And I was not prepared for that. Not I'm not great at that. But yeah, that was another thing. I I haven't really shared much of my my study abroad experience, but I'll share something. Why not? Yeah. What was your culture shock in Italy? It's pretty funny and goofy, but the first day I was there, so I stayed in Milan the first night when I landed in Italy, and then I took a train to Trino. And when I was in Milan, I had five or six hours the next morning before my train. So, you know, I'm going to go explore. I'm going to go see the Duomo. I'm going to go check out the really cool mall there. Maybe go get some coffee and just eat a bunch of good food. And so I, I went to this one coffee shop, which actually was a Starbucks. Had no idea it was a Starbucks. <laughs> it was the Italian Starbucks Reserve. So very much so like espresso, cappuccinos, those types of drinks. Okay. And I paid, got, I think I got a cappuccino and a croissant. And I went to go sit at a table. And I thought they'd bring me or they'd call my name for the coffee. But I didn't realize that there were all these people standing at the coffee bar, they call it. And you had to go and give them your order for your drink. So I was waiting for like 15 minutes thinking, oh, they're going to call my name. And then I see all these people paid after me with their drinks. It's like, hmm, maybe I need to go try this and go show them my receipt. (laughs) So I did and it worked. But that's something you don't deal with in the States. You know, usually if you go to a coffee shop, they'll call your name and you just go pick it up. Here I had to go and give them my receipt. And that was like such a silly thing, but something I just didn't realize going into it. Yeah, that's a perfect example of like, it's the little things that are different. And it just, those are the things that remind you, oh, I'm in a different country right now. I'm not in the States. That's yeah. funny though. <laughs> How would you say, I know COVID kind of abruptly ended part of our junior year, but coming back from your study abroad experience back to UCLA, would you say that you had a different perspective or different outlook on what you wanted to get out of your last year and a half of school? Yeah, I think, first of all, just transitioning back was really hard for me. For some reason, I, you know, had been gone for four months. And it also had been right after the summer. So it had been six months since I'd seen any of my friends. And I go back and it's, I felt like I had just missed so much. I felt everyone had like lived their whole UCLA past six months and had made all these memories. And I was just like coming in like, hey, remember me? (laughs) And so that was really tough for me because I felt kind of a little bit on the outs, not on the outs, just a little bit less integrated because sophomore year, I was like so in everything and so invested that when I took that break and went abroad, I didn't realize how intertwined I was at UCLA until I came back and I wasn't anymore. And I had to kind of reintegrate myself back into SAA back into tours back just into life in in LA and so that was really tough for me but you know I think one thing that studying abroad gave me was more perspective which is a very cliche answer but also it really does because I don't know how it is at Cal Poly but at UCLA it, it really is a bubble where it's it's, its own little world and you you don't realize how in it you are and how much you have your blinders up until you go somewhere else. And so being abroad really opened my eyes to new things, but also showed me that there is a life outside of UCLA. And, you know, college is four years, but there's so many other things. And that's not to detract from my school at all. I love it so much, but I think it just helped show me, wow, there's a whole other world out here. And And also to just appreciate the time that I have left at at college, because 
I have, right, we have like a year left now, right? And so it's crazy. It's that's insane. I know it just flew by, and so I think it helped me realize to appreciate every moment that we have left because we don't have forever in college, and and that's okay. That's life, but just make the most of it, and you know, live in the moment. Very, very well said. How about you, though? Did you have any? How about me? Did it shift your perspective or do anything? Yeah, I think, you know, we've, we've talked about it quite a bit earlier on. It's just being exposed to different cultures and seeing how people live life and their appreciation and their balance for work versus life and pleasure. At least in Italy, for instance, people would go to lunch and sit out for two or three hours and just enjoy each other's company. And it, it made me realize that, yes, we need to take school seriously and be very focused and driven when it comes to work. But at the same time, we need to step back and appreciate being with one another because you said earlier, school goes by so fast. And if you don't appreciate the time you have in it, school and academics is very important. But the relationships, the experiences and the memories you make are what you're going to truly remember from your four, maybe five years in college. So that was something that stuck with me. Yeah, I could not agree more. Yeah. Shows you just remember to enjoy your life, you know? Yeah, don't don't take life too seriously. That's something. That's a big piece of advice I could give. First, second year of school, you go into it. I need to do X, Y, and Z to get here, here, and here. And that's great. You know, establish yourself, find your community. But once you've done that, really just enjoy and appreciate what you have and make the most of it because it goes by so fast. And I'll keep saying that. I remember I had friends that were seniors when I was a freshman. They would always say college goes by like that just like a snap and now we're now we're talking about going to our fourth year of college and full-time jobs and it's insane you really just gotta just live every day to the fullest if I could if I could leave with one thing just live every day to the fullest yeah I totally agree I when I was a freshman I was like ah we have so much time these seniors what are they talking about and now I'm I'm a senior what it Mm -hmm. yeah it flies by but also so much happens I, I don't know. I feel like so much has happened since freshman year and I feel like I've grown a lot. So it's really cool. It's a cool thing to be a senior now and to be on the other side of it. Cause for so long, I felt such a noob. I felt like, Oh my God, these people are so cool. Out of uh, you know, and now we're on the other side and, and we have, we have that insight and that experience. And so that's really cool too, to be the older one at the school. <laughs> yeah. I think that transitions very well. What advice would you give to students coming into college, students that haven't yet found their purpose in school? What what piece of advice can you give that maybe you've experienced or heard from other people? Yeah, that's a great question. I have a few things. Okay, so first I would say gravitate towards what interests you, not towards what you think should interest you. So what I mean by that is, you know, we've talked about this before, but a lot of times it's easy to kind of go into college or go into a new situation thinking, I need to do this. I need to be a doctor. I need to be a lawyer. I need to be in business, consulting, whatever. But I think just ask yourself, will I enjoy that? Am I doing this because it's actually interesting to me or just because I feel like that's what I should be doing or that's what my parents want me to do or something like that? And so, of course, there, that is also a privileged standpoint to have because not everyone can afford to just pursue their passions. You know, money is a real thing and financial security. But I would say if you are financially able, 
do what interests you and actually do what you're passionate about just because that's what's going to keep you going throughout your life, throughout your career. It's something I've come to realize recently that you will be okay and you'll find something. You don't need to only do things, your preconceived notion of what you need to do. I always thought, oh my God, I need to be a lawyer because that will make me money and it's very structured and boom, boom, boom. And I'll go to law school and I'll do this. But is that what I want to do? I don't know. So now I think just just taking the step back and, and thinking about, okay, what do I actually like to do? Oh, I like social justice. I like traveling, you know? And then, and a career will come, but you have to work hard at what you actually like. So that's my first thing. Second thing goes along with it, be open. Be open to new things. The most unexpected things have come out of like, at UCLA, the, the things that I love the most have come from unexpected things things that I didn't necessarily want to do at first. And then I, you know, joined this club for the heck of it. And wow, now I love it. So I think be open-minded to every opportunity. Do what you're passionate about if you can. So you, you mentioned that you're interested in social justice and you're passionate about traveling. Going into college, were those things that, that you were dead set on doing or did you learn along the way? That's a great question. I, I learned along the way, for sure. I think being at college and, and being in a space where you're learning all the time, you're in classes, you're just meeting new people, it's a very independent time, you know? You don't have your parents here in the dorms with you or at your apartment cooking you food and telling you what to do. It's really you. It's a, it's a trial for real life, you know? It's like practice. And so that's really unique in that you can... It's a time in your life that is very much just focused on yourself and supporting yourself and, and doing all of these things. And so I think just it forces you to kind of realize what you are interested in. And of course, it comes in waves. I didn't just wake up one morning and I was like, oh, I love social justice. It took for sure like experience and just doing, joining different clubs, meeting new people, hearing alumni speak and being like, oh, you know, that's something I, I really enjoy and I could see myself doing. And so it definitely is a gradual thing where you slowly start to realize what you're interested in. At least for me, some people do know going into college, oh, I know I want to do this. I love this. But for me, it was not that. And it was very much a learning process. And I still don't know exactly what I want to do, clearly, because I'm all over the place. But I, I'm not worried. I think that it'll all work out. And I think Postgrad can seem really scary, especially now that we're in a recession, but I do have faith that things will be okay. And I'm, I'm honestly just really excited. I'm excited to see where everyone goes and what everyone does. Who knows where we'll all be in 10 years, five years, but that's the fun of it. There's so many ways that your life can go and so many paths you can take that I feel like it's just exciting. You know, what are we going to do with all of these options? We're going to just see what happens and, and have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think even though there's been a lot of obstacles in the way with COVID-19, there's so much opportunity to pursue something now that you didn't necessarily have the opportunity to. So whether it's, you know, starting a podcast <laughs> or pursuing a, a hobby of yours that you've been doing for years that maybe you can make into a side hustle or some type of opportunity, now is the time to try something because the risk is so minimal for us college students that if you fail, if anything, you've learned so much from that experience and how you fail that you could utilize that in the future. So 
take the time now to try new things. I was going to say, yeah, we were talking about this earlier. Although this time is really difficult and for a lot of people, for a number of different reasons, there is a lot of innovation happening and people are coming up with new ideas and creating podcasts and creating like new organizations and, and new projects, things that people, you know, we're, we're all stuck at home, right? Um, most, mm-hmm. most of us, unless you're an essential worker. So that's a lot of time to just sit and think and, and a lot of time to be like, okay, what do I want to do? And so I think it's really cool that people like you are channeling that into something productive. Did you. did you have this idea of the podcast came to be during quarantine, right? Or was it something that you had thought about before? No, no. I mean, so I, funny story. So I was supposed to be interning with this large accounting firm and their internship program was reduced to a conference. And so having an entire summer to kind of pursue something that I was interested in and something I've been really passionate about throughout my time in college that I've been able to identify through joining and trying new things is helping students, helping them identify or come up with new things or helping them restructure their routines to be more successful and happier individuals. So rather than sharing that with just a few people, I wanted to make it a larger platform, a larger resource for other college students. So for people at Cal Poly, people at UCLA, people at universities and community colleges around the entire country to have that opportunity and to hear what people that have experienced these cool things be able to share what they've what they've done and provide insight and advice. That's awesome. And I think that's a perfect example of instead of just sitting at home and playing video games all day or watching Netflix, which is what I've been doing, you actually sat down and and, and channeled your, you know, knowledge and your insight and your passion and created something. And I think that that's really cool. And I think the impact of COVID-19, of course, will last for years, decades, if not forever. But I also think that it there can be a lot of positive and a lot of good that comes out of it just from people like you that are creating new things, innovating. And yeah, snaps I appreciate to you. It. <laughs> I appreciate it. Do you have any last words or anything else you'd like to add before, before we finish up this episode? Yeah, I want to say thank you for having me. And also... To anyone who is listening or might be listening in the future, things will work out and things will be okay. And I know that it's really easy to get stressed and to overthink everything and to look, you know, so far in advance and be like, oh my God. And to also see people around you on LinkedIn or on other things just thriving and, you know, with full-time jobs and internships, top 10 accounting firms. It's easy to look at that and be like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? Why am I not that? And I think it's just important to remember that success comes in a lot of different forms. It's not linear. It's not a box. And I think that something I'm working on now is defining what does success mean to me? What does happiness mean to me? And then working from there. So yeah, just whoever's listening, good luck. You've got this. And try not to compare yourself to others because... We're all just on our own path, our own journey. And I have full faith that we are all going to kill it and do amazing things. Awesome. Well, with that, I think that was a great way to end it. Thank you so much, Maya, for joining us on the show today. We really appreciate your insight and your advice. So thank you. Thank you for joining. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode today. If I could leave you guys with one piece of advice, I would say fake it till you make it. Whether you're starting college or entering a new job, sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it. 
and you'll get to that place you want to be in life where you feel confident and comfortable no matter what environment you're in. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Pursuit Podcast Official. We'll include the link to those social media platforms in the description. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the episode today. We look forward to having you again next Monday.